Hello? Mason. D- who, who am I speaking to? It's Patrick, that co-host of yours. Oh, what's up? It's been 27 hours. Yeah, man, we hung out on, like, Friday. You need to come back. It's back. It's back? Yes, the McRib in all participating McDonald's locations. Plus some other stuff. I'll be right there. Hello? Beth, you gotta come back. Patrick, why do you sound like that? It's important, and I exist only for exposition. Okay, I mean, like, I have to drive around the corner, but like... Get down here now. One minute later. I've gathered you here so we could defeat it. You know, our insecurities about this podcast of ours as we launch season three. Wait, what about the McRib? It's dead, Mason, and you don't need those carbs. Yeah, you're right. My ass jiggles. What we need to do to get the podcast up and going again, we have to sift through the son of a ginger archive and find our talismans to be better podcast hosts. Are you ready to do that, Mason? Beth? I'm ready if you're ready, I guess. I've always wanted to pick a talisman. Mason, what is your talisman? Let me, let me take a dig through the archive here real quick. Patrick, why, what'd you put in this archive? It smells like moldy cheese and episodes that are way too long. My fridge was running out of space. Okay, here I found it. I found Arya Stark's pale white horse. That will be my talisman. Very sufficient. Beth, what talisman have you prepared? I dug through the archive and I saw these files with singed edges and I knew that I had to bring Charmander back. Char-char. Crispy. He makes the new Popeye's chicken sandwiches. Ooh, very crispy. That must be why they're fire. And with my stop-forgetting pills from True Detective Season 3, now let's all shake them up in this leather lampshade. Hold on, on, Patrick. Hold on, Patrick. Why are we doing this? Oh, you know, I just want to remember. It's been like two years since we started doing this. It's nice. Go through old memories, you know. So you had me bring a horse into the studio? You had me pull Charmander off his shift at Popeye's to remember? He has children he's trying to feed. If we learn anything with It Chapter 2, it's hard to get adults and friends together, so I just, I just wanted to try, I just wanted to have fun, I just wanted to do something. Well, you failed. Okay, so now it's time for you to cry. Can we at least do a podcast still? Uh, as long as it's not two hours and 45 minutes. Uh, well, we'll do our best. Let's start the show! Well, now that we have our horse, remembering pills, and Charmander all in the studio, I guess it's time to get started. Oh, yeah! Let me feed my horse its tranquilizer real quick. Charmander, you gonna be quiet? Char, char. Uh, Charmander is locked in the K-hole. I mean, I'll tell you what. I wish we had someone as exciting as Charmander during this film, because we're talking It Chapter 2, and excited to talk It Chapter 2 after our very first podcast was It Chapter 1. Two years ago, Mason. Yes, this is a very important milestone. We're growing up. How appropriate, because our It Chapter 1 episode was, I would probably say, a little bit too long. Oh, just like this flick. Now, the universe is making us pay for that by making us watch a three-hour movie that could have been an hour and a half. Just all I have to say is, wow, 
Just wow. Oof, wow. <laughs> and we got a wowzer of a film. Another one directed by Andy Muschietti. Muschietti. And with most of the cast that we remember, but a lot of the older kids that was cast by Finn Wolfhard and Friends, essentially. We got Bill Hader. We got Jessica Chastain. We got James McAvoy. We got that one guy from The Wire Season 2. And other people. Isn't that James McAvoy? I ain't a Scott. <laughs> as long and tedious as this movie was, I did enjoy the performances. In a lot of scenes, the writing was very bad, but these actors played it the best they could. They did their best. They they came, they got their paycheck. Like, they're all pros from James McAvoy, McAvoy, whatever, down to Isaiah Mustafa and every tweener character, and even the younger kids. They did their job. They went in there, and they made the money. This was a moneymaker. Yeah, I feel like the ensemble cast didn't work as well this time around. And I think that's attributed to them being adults and it not having this sort of stand by me, Stranger Things quality to it. The horror of the movie really does sort of lend itself to the perspective you're viewing it from. Right. Sure. So these adults that are in these perilous situations, it's, it just doesn't seem as scary as when there's kids. Right. And I think that's one thing we talked about in the original Son of a Ginger episode. It chapter one was a horror movie happening like a horror movie. But instead of it being dumb, ditzy 20 somethings, it's children. And it makes it that much scarier. Yeah. Because inherently we want to keep children safe and Protect not them. dismember them. Yeah. Meanwhile, it's like, oh man, 40's tough. Ugh. <laughs> and now a scary thing is coming at me. Oh man. Uh, it's, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm a comedian who doesn't write my own jokes. <laughs> <laughs> it sure does suck being a fraud stand-up comedian. Having not seen the original It the It chapter one or any of the other iterations of this story, I don't really have anything to compare it to. And I'm not mad about that because if I had to watch something that was anything like this, I just wouldn't. It was just so dissatisfying to watch. So here's the thing with this movie. Like, I, like, recognize, like, okay, this is going to be long. And what was the annoying thing was, like, you know, when I was getting my tickets on Fandango or whatever, I really literally thought was an hour and 45 minutes instead of two hours and 45 minutes. I read a number wrong and then I paid for it at 12 a.m. But before noticing and realizing that as the movie like kind of, you know, chugged through, we were like introduced to like wait like the characters for way too long and they got together still. I was like, OK, I'm mostly digging the pacing with this. But what we joked about during the cold open where the Mike character is really like exposition heavy and just telling how to get the plot going and then makes these guys like all split off for the second act and the longest act. And then they just kind of do a little bit of the same scares and just a lot of the same stuff. It's just so unnecessary. If you've just cut act two out and I don't know, like truncated maybe a couple scenes and made it like two or so hours, like it would have still been like a full movie that I think would have still hit all the right notes. Am I wrong? Yeah. I think they, they do this thing in act two where they, all the characters break away and have their own little horror moment that's tailored to their deepest fears right and that makes the pacing grind to a halt mm -hmm. you have to ramp up to these horror situations every time so it's like it's like a bell curve it's up 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 and then straight down and then up 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 and then straight down throughout the whole thing and it's exhausting and by the end by the third act you're like i want this movie to be over mm -hmm. and then they just verbally abuse a clown until he gets stuck in a rock oh my god yeah <laughs> so i just think it's like a very long bad roller coaster the entire time yeah and it's 
almost all jump scares. Very little of it is actual, like, psychologically scary. I think until the end, when they split off again to avoid the giant spider clown, because the scariest thing, obviously, is a giant spider clown. You're scared of spiders, you're scared of clowns, just put them together. Oh, man! (laughs) Got the scariest thing around. You know, the best horror movies are the ones where they don't fully explain everything and they leave it up to the imagination. And we already knew what Pennywise was from what we learned in the first movie. So why was there all of this Native American ergot root trip scene where he's like, hey, look at my leather bucket. I scratched out a side of it. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone. Ooh. Yeah, because uh, we're gonna die. I don't care. Yeah, because you said about like the end of the first one, like we figured out, like okay, he's the manifestation of fears. It looks like we defeated him. Obviously, they didn't because we knew a sequel was coming because that's how it was written. But you figured they would have just done stuff like that. Yeah, it was a little unnecessary. The whole like little added thing at the end it was like one like we find out that it terrorized old Native American tribes, but it is originally an alien. I think. Yeah, there's just a lot of erroneous bullshit in this movie. It's honestly a waste of time. I would not recommend seeing it unless you just like being bored, honestly, or you like jump scares. If you like jump scares and you like long ass movies, see this. Honestly. Yeah, if you like to be pretentious and be like, I've seen The Godfather four times and I watched it twice in a day. Hey, I watch The Godfather every Thanksgiving, so shut your mouth. Uh But it sounds like you have a free afternoon. That's nice. And But I might not have a free afternoon whenever this like re-syndicates on like TNT or something. I'd rather take three hours of clown class. <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go to clown college instead then, of watching this movie. Yeah. Can we go back in time? Hey, Georgie, did you learn how to juggle? (laughs) Okay, off of your point about the leather box and the Native American tribe, can we talk about the insensitivities in this movie towards Native American culture, towards homosexuality? There's gay bashing within the first, like, ten minutes, and then also the insensitivity against mental illness, where... Okay, yeah, like this guy is like locked up in an insane asylum because he's also murderous and has serious mental issues, but they don't handle it well and they treat the people who work in that facility like they're completely inept. The latter point you're talking about, Billy, who was the scary bully kid with the knife. What I've read is that his like story in chapter two was not in the books or I think the old movie they kind of like added that in. They also didn't need it. They did not need it. No, they could have gotten rid of him entirely. Like, what What did he exist for? Just, like, a body scare where he stabs little Eddie guy's face and that's it? Like He literally existed for a character redemption for the germaphobe Eddie yes. guy. He existed to show up and stab him in the cheek. Yeah. Beth, to your other points, yeah, I would recognize the insensitivity. With the, the gay bashing part, they use that to maybe villainize Pennywise even more, even though he's, like, the epitome of a villain. The most ironic thing with that, things I've been seeing on Twitter, is that like they ship Pennywise and the Babadook as like a gay icon couple, and then people are like really mad. It's like, oh, Pennywise isn't an ally at all. He's terrible. No, yeah, it's awful. And I think literally the only reason that the gay bashing scene is in the beginning of the movie is to function as, oh, this small town hates gay people. That's why Bill Hader didn't come out. Like, 
And you just didn't need that because I think that you could have played that so many different ways without having to make that specific situation about hating homosexual people. It's an easy route to go to get the audience on a certain page. I guess so, but I just thought it was another piece of useless bullshit. Yeah, of all the things that they did at. And then to your last point about the Native American tribes, they just did all of that in a very quick montage instead of maybe even making it even longer and go to a character that was affected by Pennywise, but made him just seem a little like too like foreign and just like, you know, like a little too primitive for it all. Though they said it was like millions of years ago. So like, maybe I guess I understand that part. But like, it's like a back and forth of like, I don't know, maybe it makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. Eh, You know, it just reduces Native American culture to like shaman mysticism. Yeah. Okay. I just hated it. I thought it didn't need to be in it. Why are you using this culture for your own gain here when you don't need to and you're not actually giving the audience any real information and they're not actually learning anything? It's just another primitive mysticism that you can quote unquote draw from to make your weird alien story maybe seem more credible, but it just doesn't work. Yeah, I definitely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, it's definitely a way to just be like, oh, let's just pick some primitive culture that believed in some crazy spirit stuff and just apply it to our antagonist or whatever. Convenient for some lazy writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Disregard and misunderstanding of the actual culture. Yeah. But in other culture, in other pop culture... This was a movie that was important two years ago. Does it have any kind of same importance to horror in general now? Does it bring anything new? I think it was a popcorn flick. It was very much return of the Stephen King formula in a way that had heart again. The first one was. It was a return of what people liked about Stand By Me and what people like about The Shining, in a sense. It was a return of this style of filmmaking that's very inspired by these books that this prolific author has written and it was refreshing and nice to see and it grossed a lot at the box office for being a rated r film yeah but what i sent y'all i sent y'all a deadline article earlier this week so we talk about length this movie could have made more money if it wasn't so long literally theaters could have had more showings and more show times of it but because overall it takes like three and a half hours to get people in the seats watch the movie clean up those people in the seats and start all over again they like lost, like, I, don't, I forget the number. I could pull it up, but I don't, I'm too lazy to. Didn't help them in the money-making standpoint than the two-hour and 15-minute one that they made two years ago. Even two hours and 15 minutes to me is too long. There are very few movies that I want to go to a theater and see that are that long because I don't want to just sit in the dark. For some people, that's their zen space. They want to do it. If it's a movie that they really love, they're willing to do it. They don't care about the length. But I think for the most part, movies don't need to be this long. Like, please, if anyone out there is listening, don't make your movie that long. Yeah, a really surprise breakout hit from last fall was Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. And the formula for that show was there's this whole family and they all had a crazy haunted experience in this house they lived in when they were growing up. And the first few episodes center around one member of that family. And they each have little stories about some crazy supernatural stuff that happened to them while they were in this house, right? And 
I was watching Act 2, the slog of an Act 2, and thinking this would just be so much better if it was a miniseries, a limited series. Instead of being three hours long and them having to cut things out, they could have actually spent time elaborating and fleshing out each one of these losers' stories and then had like the last two episodes of this series be the finale or whatever. Yeah, because like with those like bits in Act 2 that we saw, there are parts I was like, maybe we didn't even need to see James McAvoy's part. Maybe we didn't even need to see Bill Hader's part, honestly. Even though they're the main characters, sure, their stories are important to their characters, but the story as a whole, not that much, I don't think. I felt like with Ben and Beverly's bit, that felt more important, I guess, to the integral story along with Eddie's whole thing. So, like, I felt those, but I also, from a character standpoint, understood why they needed to keep Bill Hader and James McAvoy's parts, because... I mean, James McAvoy kicked everything off. And then at least what the magazine articles tell me, Bill Hader was a great performance. I thought it was an all right. I, th- I thought he checked all the boxes kind of performances. Like, I mean, I don't think there's anything revelatory about his performance that I hadn't already seen in like Barry or stuff. Maybe that he's just so good of an actor that I've seen him do better things. I don't know. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the first time he's really had to display any dramatic chops, yeah. like having to cry and... Yeah, I mean, uh, that kind of stuff. Like, I, I don't think he's ever cried in Barry in a non-comedic way. I think he has in Barry. But yeah, this ain't super bad. <laughs> that was the thing for me of like, they should have picked something. They should have picked to expand on every character. Because with Bill Hader's character being gay, like that was just like barely touched upon that they could have, I think, really expanded on. Like they kind of cheapened it with that him carving the thing in the wood with Eddie and then a high five that lingered too long. That clearly means he's gay, right? That whole thing, yeah, I think could have been an entire episode in like an eight-part miniseries or something, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And every gay interaction in the movie that I am remembering, it ends up tragic. It's all tragic. And that's a really big problem and stereotype in media of the gay story being the tragic story. Tragic and unrequited. I think they should have picked of like, yeah, let's make this a full thing. Let's make this four hours and get time for every character and make it worthwhile or let's let's cut it out. It makes no sense for Richie to have been like secretly in love with Eddie for 27 years and never like contact him or like they haven't seen each other at all. And then all of a sudden he's been in love with one of his like best friends from childhood this whole time. Like, give me a break. It doesn't make any sense. I agree. And they don't even really remember each other when they come back. Yeah. Which is the point of what Pennywise does. It takes you. It makes you not remember. But I remember because this was only two years old since I saw the last one. And man, they just kept hitting things on the head for you of, hey, remember from the last movie? Remember their relationship? Here's the kids, guys. Here's the kids again. It was hard to forget afterwards. Also, what y'all think about the de-aging makeup with the kids? Sucked. The first time, like, especially with Finn Wolfhard, when he started talking, because I think they pitched his voice up too. I was just like... They did some voice pitching. They did some like full on ADR for some of these kids. Yeah. They did some facial reconstruction. You could totally tell that all these actors grew up and they did some Photoshop warp tool on their face. Because I mean, puberty, it hits you hard. (laughs) We've learned anything through our past podcast talking good boys in eighth grade. It's awful. Gucci. Gucci. (laughs) So this was a scary movie. A lot of scares. I definitely jump during a lot of the jump scares and like a lot of those like little jitter scares you know where it's like right up to the camera and we had a lot of those in very different forms from fortune cookies to paul bunions to little hand monster people so if y'all remember your favorite or your least favorite what spoke to you what made you say oh that's probably mine also 
leper that knows how to French kiss. <laughs> what would be my it horror? Not a dancing naked grandma? No, that'd be my it delight. <laughs> oh. oh, you love it. I know too much about Mesa now. <laughs> Dang, this is harder than I thought. I got to think of my like big phobias. I don't have huge phobias. If I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch a lot of the scary parts. <laughs> Mason was sitting right next to me and I had my hand in front of my eyes for probably half the movie. Enough to see how bad it was, but not enough to get over how bad it was. <laughs> I don't like jump scares. I jump at all of them. That's partially why I put my hand over my eyes, but I could tell when everyone was coming because of the music yeah and they were predictable almost every time it was very obvious we talked about the bell curve like we know when it was coming yeah right that roller coaster is predictable if i were going to pick one a spider head that doesn't die or that you have to like stab over and over again to leave you alone mm -mm, i don't want to deal with that that's scary me neither for me, it wouldn't be a specific monster, but it'd be a situation like when James McAvoy's character was swimming and he shows up in his basement. But it, for me, it'd be open water and there'd be like a raft in the distance that I couldn't get to. I couldn't mm. swim to. The thought of looking around me and not seeing land whatsoever is very frightening. Or you would be stuck in a raft in open water having to watch the 2004 film Open Water. There is no escape. Actually, I I want to redact this. My my it horror would be permanently stuck on in an aisle seat watching Saving Private Ryan while everyone <laughs> around me is glaring at me for watching a horribly violent movie on an airplane. That sounds awful. Because <laughs> that happened to me. <laughs> oh, so you've lived your nightmare. I've lived my nightmare. I was, and I didn't hit pause. I stayed strong. The Omaha Beach scene was there were some crying children but it's okay they needed to see it i'm glad you overcame your fear and made those children grow up too fast i brought a bluetooth speaker oh my god and we played the sound out loud patrick what's your scariest scare i'd say mine i think comes from one of my first nightmares that i remember and this came after watching scooby-doo goes to zombie island <laughs> a classic the animated film that just scared the living daylights out of me as a five or six year old whenever it came out and the nightmare i had was just like the stationary masked woman just staring at me in the corner of my bedroom in a rocking chair and with just like the scary like frizzled hair so with that grandma scene it reminded me a little bit of that if it was like all of that and then a cockroach that just jittered right in front of me i think that'd be a that'd be my irrational one based off of what we saw in this film it wouldn't be a flying cockroach and then if she popped out wings, yeah, that'd, that'd scare me even more. Thanks, Beth. What if it's like cockroach body, frizzle grandma face and hair, pops out wings, starts flying at you, and then you see her like hands and legs popping out of the cockroach body too? Like well, flying squirrel style. Well, you know what I'd do? I'd chant to her that she's a clown. She doesn't matter. She's nothing. She's just a mimic. You're a dumb mimic, dumb grandma. Ugh. And before we end, let's talk about... The ending of this film that after all a hundred and whatever hours of this... A hundred hours seems right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. They just had to belittle the clown and just say, you don't matter. What, what is that? Yeah. All they had to do was use the opposite of sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. No. Words will kill that dumb clown. Mason, your thoughts on the ending? Uh, I was laughing. There are plenty of laughable moments in this. Stemming from that, the grandma scene where she starts like freaking out in the background. I just started chuckling at that because of that 
weird wiggle she does is just ridiculous. And then when they just decide to make Pennywise shrink by calling him bad names, I wish that worked on my bullies growing up. I wish I could just be like, you're a bully. You're a bully and you suck. But it, no, I would have gotten hung by my underpants <laughs> on, on the bathroom stall. A big old wedgie. I feel like this is just a... Especially the end, it was just a botched anti-bullying ad that just went wrong. And then they were like, let's just put it in the movie. Yeah, I think they didn't know how to kill Pennywise. They're like, nah, we can't just have them put the talismans in and it'd be over. Nah, we got to drag this out for 20 more minutes. And then they just got to call him a clown. So I've cracked why this movie is so absurd. Why? I don't know if you knew this. I mean, I think we talked about this with Pet Cemetery because this is this. It also falls under this era in Stephen King's career. He doesn't he doesn't remember writing it because he was so coked out of his mind. He was well in the throes of his substance abuse issues. And uh, it kind of shows in the way the story is set up. Right. It's just so scattered and scatterbrained. And there's too many things at play. And maybe the writers of this screenplay or the treatment or whatever they they did to adapt the book we're just like, yeah, let's channel a little bit of Steven. You want to channel some Steven there, Greg? And <laughs> Do you think they just call Coke Stephen King? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> let's do They're... some Stephen King tonight, guys. I'm having trouble figuring out the, the last few pages for this scene. Should we call Steven? Oh, I've been waiting to call Steven all day. Oh, my God. Well... They, in fact, did call Stephen. We had a brief Stephen King cameo. And in the meta moment that was written in here, you know, he makes fun of uh, James McAvoy's character for never writing a good ending, which was, in fact, all about how Stephen King could never write a good ending. Very appropriate as we end this podcast. But if you want to listen to any other podcasts, please listen on our Spotify and wherever else you get our podcasts. We got a lot of them. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or somewhere else that lets you leave a review, give us five stars and tell us what your worst fear is. Is it long movies? Because that's mine. Mason, what's our social? Our social is at Son of a Ginger Podcast on Instagram. Go ahead and check it out to see Beth's quick rants and a couple other fun things will be thrown out there. Nice behind the scenes. We got posts. We got polls. We're going to have more stuff. All right, guys. I'm Beth. I'm Patrick. And I'm Mason. And with our talismans, we are aliens! What's your greatest fear?